Hi, in this message I'm going to share a vision for our church in this next season. I'm going to tell you about five fruit trees and some next steps. And I have to say I'm really excited about what God has for us in the months and years ahead. But it's all rooted in God's blessing and his command that we should be fruitful and multiply. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what it means to be fruitful in John 15. Jesus said in verse 8, he said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples of Jesus, those who are abiding in him, will be fruitful. But what is the fruit that we're called to bear? I heard someone say it's character, conduct and converts. Uh, first of all, it's the fruit of character that grows in our lives. It's the fruit of the Spirit uh, that we're told in Galatians 5.22 is uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Now, if we belong to Jesus, those characteristics should be increasingly evident in our lives. And as Jesus says in John 15, it will be primarily seen by our love for one another. Because Christian character produces Christian conduct, right? These are the good works that we do, the, the way that we serve the people around us. As it says in Colossians 1.10, God's will for us is that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. So there's Christian character and Christian conduct but that should then lead to Christian converts as we find opportunities to share the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote at the beginning of Colossians 1 in verse 6, it says, All over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Converts were increasing, churches were multiplying, communities were being transformed, and it was all the outworking of Jesus' words in John 15 verse 16, which is our text for today. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus was calling his disciples to reproduce themselves, to go and make more disciples. But this language of bearing fruit and growing, which we find right through the Bible, has its roots in the Genesis creation story. It goes right back to the beginning of our own story, the story of mankind. So before I tell you about the five fruit trees and our mission here on the seacoast, I think it's important to briefly remind ourselves of the amazing, breathtaking story that we're a part of. When God created humankind, he gave us a mission, which incidentally still applies to every one of us today. Let's just read Genesis 1 verse 27 to 28. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Or in other words, cultivate it. As God's image bearers, humankind was called to steward God's creation in a way that reflected God's character. You know, with love and joy, with uh, patience and kindness, with goodness and faithfulness and so on. And so as humankind increased in number and multiplied across the earth, they would all reflect the image of God, and so the whole earth would be filled with God's glory. 
But after the grand opening chapters of creation, the biblical story goes awry in Genesis 3. To quote theologian Christopher Wright, he says, God's human creatures choose to rebel against their creator, distrusting his benevolence, disobeying his authority, and disregarding the boundaries he has set for their freedom in this world. The image of God in man became defaced. Instead of God's glory filling the earth, now it was man's wickedness that increases to the point where God was sorry that he ever made mankind. And so through a great flood, he cleansed the earth of the wickedness and he started over again with Noah and his family, giving them the same mission. In Genesis 9, uh, 1, it says there that then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. But our story runs into trouble yet again. When in Genesis 11, instead of going and multiplying and spreading God's blessing across the earth, the people settle instead in the land of Babel. Come on, let's build a city, they said, with a tower that reaches up to the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered across the earth. So rather than making a name for God by going and reflecting his image everywhere, they decided to gather in this central location to make a name for themselves. It was in direct opposition to God's command to be fruitful and multiply across the earth. You know, it makes me wonder if some churches today might also be resisting God's purpose when they seem so intent on making a name for themselves by building their own towers and gathering as many people as they can, rather than going, spreading out, multiplying. And I'm sure that many sincerely believe they're being fruitful. But the question is, what is more fruitful? One big fruit tree or an orchard? Just hold that thought because we'll come back to that at the end. Back to our story, which is uh, not going too well. What was God's solution to restore his image in man and get his mission back on track? Somehow he would have to deal with the waywardness of mankind and the sin that had infected the human heart. And God's solution is totally unexpected, something only God would do. He chose an elderly, childless couple from the land of Babel and caused them to go from their country, right? They had to leave the place where they'd settled. They had to leave behind that old wayward thinking, right? Because this was going to be a new start, which required them to go. God's mission meant leaving and going. And it still does. You know, we've been called to go and bear fruit. So God blesses this couple, Abraham and Sarah. They're childless. Sarah is barren. Abraham is an old man. I mean, they're not exactly the picture of fruitfulness, are they? But you see, they represent the barrenness of mankind. And yet, God in his grace chooses this elderly barren couple to launch his incredible mission of redemption for the whole cosmos, right? You can just imagine all the angels and heavenly beings marveling at God's audacious plan, giving him all praise and honor and glory because out of this barren womb would come blessing and fruitfulness for the whole earth, like a vine whose branches would bear fruit all over the world. I mean, the scope of God's plan is just breathtaking. 
When God blessed Abraham, just like he blessed mankind in the beginning, he made his intentions very clear. He said to him this, he said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a promise he repeats in chapter 17 where God makes a covenant with Abraham and says that he will multiply him. He says, I have made you the father of a multitude of nations and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. It's a blessing that was then passed down to Abraham's descendants as seen in the blessing that his son Isaac prayed over his son Jacob. He prayed, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you to become a company of peoples. And so God's mission for human beings to be fruitful and multiply goes from being a general mandate to all mankind to a specific mandate to a specific people. The people who God had chosen and appointed to bring his blessing, his redemption to all the nations of a fallen world. Now, to cut a long story short, who are Abraham's descendants today? We are. The Apostle Paul was absolutely emphatic about it. In Galatians 3.29 it says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Abraham's descendants were originally the people of Israel, but as we've been seeing in this series, they also proved unfruitful until Jesus, a son of Israel and a descendant of Abraham, came and said, I am the true vine. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus is joined to him, right? They're grafted in to become a fruitful branch in his vine. So his branches are made up of Jews and Gentiles, people of any and every nation who believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Savior of the world. All those who abide in Christ are Abraham's offspring. The church is his multinational family. And if we are in Christ, then not only do we get to share in the blessing of Abraham, but we are commissioned to spread the blessing of Abraham. His mandate is our mandate too. And that's what Jesus was referring to here when he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruits that will last. Jesus is making absolutely clear that our commission is part of an incredible ongoing story of redemption that can be traced back thousands of years to the promise that God gave to Abraham. So if you are listening to this and you feel like you haven't got much to contribute to the story or that somehow maybe you don't belong or, or perhaps you feel barren like, you know, who am I? Well, be encouraged. Join the rest of us because what this story is telling us is it doesn't rely on you and me, but on God's grace in choosing us like he did with Abraham. That's why Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, right? The fruit comes from him, not us. It comes from the, the blessing we receive when we put our faith in him, right? We've been chosen and appointed by him, by the one who creates something out of nothing, who turns curses into blessings and brings life from death. And of course, we can trace our story even further back to before Abraham, when God first created humankind and gave them a mission. That mission, our mission, hasn't changed. It's the same mission that Jesus is reiterating here, that we might go 
and bear fruit that will last. It's the same as the Great Commission of Matthew 28, when Jesus told his disciples to go make disciples of all nations, he said, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that he had commanded. Can you see? It's not just fulfilling God's promise to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through him. It also has its origins in the original mission that God gave humankind when he told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Because you see, the goal of creation was and still is the glory of God, seen in men and women who are filling the earth with his image. We have been created for fruitful multiplication. Now, what about the five fruit trees? As you may know, our church already had a vision for multiplication. You've probably already heard me talk about this numerous of times, right? About multiplying congregations, multiplying leadership, multiplying gifting and ministry so we can be more fruitful across the seacoast and beyond. And of course, we've already begun doing that with a new congregation now gathering in Summersworth. Uh, and I think we've all seen the blessing of God in that, haven't we? and felt it was very much the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in light of everything that I've been sharing here today, you know, it just seems so right. But as some of you may know, there's been a further development. A few months ago, Sam Poe and I hosted a prophetic conference in Nashville for uh, all of our church planters and leaders in the Southeast. And at the end, they had Sam and Marlene and Emma and I come up to the front so that they could pray for us. One of the elders in Nashville, a man called John Wolstall, he gave us a prophetic word. It was directed at me, but it had to do with our church. And in this word, he, he, he saw five fruit trees that were being planted in our yard. And he saw me watering them, that was my job. God had planted them, I was watering them. And I was enjoying the fruits of some of them, though he said a couple of them were not the fruits I was expecting, uh, but I was being called to water them anyway. Now John didn't know anything about our vision or our plans, but both Sam and I immediately felt that the five fruit trees were five congregations of our church a couple of which may come unexpectedly, but they're all being planted by God. And we both felt this was the next step for our church, that in this coming season, we should be praying and planning for five congregations as we seek to multiply ourselves across the seacoast and beyond. Then it was about, I don't know, about a week or so after that conference that I felt God gave me clear confirmation about those five fruit trees. It was through two books I was reading at the time. The first was a book by a church planter in Hawaii called Ralph Moore. He's an elderly man now, but he's helped to start hundreds of churches over the last few decades. And he said this, he said, answer this question, would it be easier to grow a church stored at 80 members to 400? Or would it be easier to launch five churches that might grow to 80 persons each in a decade? He said, multiplication opens new realms of possibility. And I just thought, wow, that's pretty clear, right? Because we had already talked about keeping our congregations to about 80 to 120 members. 
and then multiplying congregations as we grew. And here was Ralph Moore talking about launching five churches of 80, right? There it is, five fruit trees. So I shared this with our leadership team and we took it to God in prayer. And I can remember saying to Gareth, where would you like to see a new congregation starting? And right off the bat, he said, Durham. And as soon as he said that, something stirred within me, like the Holy Spirit was birthing something. It just seemed right. You know, there's all kinds of places on the seacoast where we have people living and where we might naturally consider starting a new congregation. But you see, we're looking for something supernatural. We're looking for where God is leading us, for where he wants to plant. And of course, we shouldn't be surprised at Durham because we've been praying for Durham for years and for the UNH campus there. And as you may know, our church started there. Much seed has been sown there over the decades. So is this the time when God wants to harvest the fruit? Right? Is that our next congregation? Please, can I ask you to be praying about this as we seek God for further confirmation? But of course, our fruit bearing is not restricted to the seacoast area because God has appointed his church to go, to spread out, to fill the earth. It's why we've sent out a number of people who are bearing fruit in other parts of this country and in other nations of the world. And at our, our last prayer gathering, we announced that next June, Alcor and Bev will also be going. They're going to be part of a church planting team in the Netherlands to start what might be the first of many new churches there. And it's something that God has been speaking to them, to them about for a long time. Uh, and our leadership team have been praying with them about it. But now the time is coming for them to go. And of course, we're going to miss them greatly. I mean, they've just been such a huge asset and done an amazing job in leading the team that oversees our Portsmouth congregation. But, you know, they're not just leaving because our church will continue to be involved with them, right? We'll be giving them whatever support we can because they are an extension of our branches, right? Their fruit is our fruit too. So please be praying for them, as well as the five fruit trees and for Durham. As you may have heard, on the 21st of this month, we're gonna be taking up a missions offering to finance all this kingdom expansion. And this is a great opportunity for us all to be able to contribute to God's mission here. Then in January, we're going to be starting the year with a month of prayer, where instead of having midweek community groups, we're going to be gathering the whole church to pray into these things. Because, as Jesus said in verse 7 of John 15, he says, you know, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, he says, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, I mentioned that there were two books I was reading where I felt God's confirmation. So I'd like to close by sharing what I read in that second book. And interestingly, the author played a part in the story of our church right here. His name is Colin Barron. Some of you will remember Colin because about 15 years ago, he came over from England to pastor our founding church in Rochester. And I worked with him for a couple of years here, and then he went back to Manchester in England to start a number of church congregations in that city. And he wrote this book about it uh, called Multi-Planting, which I've been reading. 
uh, but it was the very first page of the book that kind of jumped out at me, uh, where I really felt God confirming our vision. This is what Colin says there. He says, a few years ago, one of my leaders on my team told me of a time when he was walking with his father, who was an apple farmer, along a path through one of his orchards. The path divided the orchard into two parts. In one section, there were some very large apple trees, almost 20 feet tall, with a 24-foot span, and they were so big, they had to be spaced far apart. On the other side of the path were much smaller apple trees, and there were many more of them. Uh, Colin's friend asked his father why there was such a difference between the two sections of the orchard. His father told him that in the past, the consensus in the apple farming industry was that big trees produce more fruit than small trees. But of course, you had to plant them far apart. However, in the 1990s, that way of thinking changed as apple farmers began to realize that to get more fruit, it was better to plant lots of smaller trees closer together. And each tree produced less fruit than a big one could, but you could get eight small fruit trees in the space required for a big tree. And together, the eight small trees produced way more fruit. And the thing was, not only was the apple yield greater, but the apples from the small fruit trees were of a far higher quality than those grown on the big trees. And apples became easier to harvest as ladders were no longer needed. Hundreds more trees could be planted, and they could be planted right to the edge of the field and in all the awkward places that were impossible for the big trees to reach. Well, when I read that, I thought, this is no coincidence. This is God speaking. It's like a parable, isn't it? But I really do believe that is the mindset God is calling his church to have in these days. I think it's always been in the mind of God because he's called us to go and bear much fruit, right? We've been called to fruitful multiplication. Now, of course, I realize that all this talk of uh, going and multiplying might be very unsettling to people. Right, let's be honest, we don't like change, do we? We don't like transition. I know I don't, right? I like things to remain as they are. I like what is familiar. I want my friends and family to stay here with me, right? My tendency is to want to settle. The problem with that is that the church is part of a kingdom that is continually growing and expanding, right? And we've been commissioned to go and be a blessing. And the gospel is continually going outwards under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So it means that change and transition is part of the course. If we're going to be as fruitful as God intends, then we cannot settle. And I found that the best way to deal with that emotionally is to not be looking back at how things used to be, but to look forward to the next thing that God is doing. Look for where he's moving. Listen to what his spirit is saying and then get involved by praying and taking steps of faith as he leads you. You know, it's an adventure because we are participating in the most incredible story of all time. A story that stretches from the beginnings of time to that day when God himself will dwell with mankind, when his glory will fill the new heavens and new earth. So, Let's remember the story that we're in. Remember where we've come from, but also remember where we're going to. God is on the move. So let's go.